Uh, we're finishing our series today we've called Never Alone, and I'm so glad you're here to be part of this particular uh, service because this is a very, this is going to be a very different kind of sermon, and um, I really feel like the Holy Spirit laid something unique on my heart for this message, and so um, we're going to look at Psalm 23, um, we're going to look at it together, and then we're going to spend a few minutes praying today. So I wonder how many of you have ever overlooked something uh, that was right in front of you. Have you ever had that experience? You ever overlooked something that was right in front of you? It's okay. You don't have to be embarrassed. Just put your hand up like this. You overlook something. You, you ever look for your glasses and then you look in the mirror and they're on your face? You ever done that? Yeah? How about you ladies? You look for your purse and it's on your arm. You know, like, where did I put my purse? You know, and then there it is. You ever had that experience? Or, or you look for your car keys and they're in your hand. You know, you like you have a handful of stuff and you go, oh, what is, what is that jingling? Oh, oh, that's my car keys. If this hasn't happened to you, and I'm sure it's never happened to anyone in this room, you would admit it, but we've all seen someone who's been in the water and thought they were drowning, you know where I'm going with this, and then realized the water was shallow and they could stand up. You ever seen that? Like a child, ah, and then they go, oh, no, I'm okay. No, call the life, recall 911, I'm okay, call them back, you don't have to bring them, I can stand up. What what is that about? It's about something that becomes so common, so normal, so usual, so close, but we don't see it. And, And I think that's a good illustration of sometimes what prayer is like to us. Prayer is so common, it's so usual, it's so close. If prayer were harder, if it were more complicated, if it were more sophisticated, if it were, had more requirements, but because it's so simple, I think we tend to overlook it. I think it's the most overlooked and underutilized spiritual activity we have. And, and another one of the reasons for that, I think, is because when we do it, it feels like we're doing nothing. I mean, we're talking to someone we can't see, we're call, talking to someone we can't hear, we're talking to someone that we can't touch. And we're just saying words in the air with the belief that it's somehow going to matter. And we're talking to someone who doesn't talk back to us the same way we talk to him. So prayer is overlooked because, also because we don't know what to say. What do you say to someone you can't see, you can't hear, and you can't touch? We oftentimes struggle with prayer because it's so foreign to us, but prayer is important. Let me give you a few descriptions I've got for prayer this morning. You ready? Prayer is a tool. It's a weapon. It's companionship. It's fellowship. Prayer is a 911 call. It's a confession, it's a profession, it's a supernatural activity, it's an invitation, it's a soul development journey, it's a ministry, it's a gift, it's an entrance into God's throne room, it's a resource, it's therapy, it's rest, it's an act of faith. Prayer is one of the greatest connecting points to God's presence that we have because it's in real time, it's live, it's free, it's available 24-7. Anybody can do it and watch this. Nobody's good at it. You ever met a prayer expert? Oh, really? How'd you nail that one? We don't have any prayer experts. Nobody's an expert at prayer. 
What does that tell you? In this series that we've called Never Alone, we've talked about how God never leaves us or forsakes us. We've built, uh, uh, explained that truth in the Scripture on how God is always with us. We've talked about how we're never alone in circumstances, never alone last week in impact. It's not up to you alone. God didn't commission you to make a difference in the world and leave you by yourself. And today, we're going to end the series saying this, we're never alone in prayer. I think prayer is the way we practice the truth that we're never alone. I think it's the most powerful way we practice the truth that we're never alone. So this whole series, we've been praying this simple prayer, Lord, help me to be aware that you're with me. Would you, would you just close your eyes for a minute and would you pray that, Lord, Help me to be aware that you're with me. You see that? That is a connecting point to not just the factual truth that God's with you, but to the living presence of God near you now. So um, I want to unpack for you this morning, if you're taking notes, this will flow a little differently, but I want to unpack for you Psalm 23 because Um, I think it's one of the most powerful places in the entire Bible where we see the truth lived out that God is always with me no matter what. So here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to explain Psalm 23, and then we're going to take a few minutes, and I'm going to lead you in prayer through Psalm 23. And so what I'm not going to do this morning is just give you the truth that prayer is one of the best ways you can practice God's presence with you. I'm actually going to encourage you and invite you and lead you to say, no, no, let's pray it now. Let's pray together. Let's meet God today before the service is over. So that's what we're going to do. Psalm 23, let's look at verse 1. You probably know some of these words. You might know all of them. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Here's what's awesome in this verse. You have this this paradox because you have the Lord and you have my shepherd. So the Lord is God's divinity, my shepherd is God's humanity. Jesus was both God and man. He is above, but he's also with us. He sits on an eternal throne somewhere off in the cosmos, but he's also a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's God, and he's also shepherd. He's creator, and he's also companion. I can remember when I was a teenager, I went to the uh, Christian bookstore in our mall, and uh, I've never forgotten this after all these years. There was a dad in there with a little boy, and the little boy was, as children do, running around and grabbing, trying to grab everything off the shelf. You know, I want that, Dad, I want that, I want that, I want that. And the dad did something I've never seen any parent do before that or after that. He gently and lovingly knelt down and, and pulled his son in and looked at him nigh, and he said, now, what did I tell you about that? And I was kind of listening close. I thought, what did you tell him about that? <clears throat> and he looked at his son, and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, you can say, what a legalistic and rigid, of course, people want things. That's not what he was trying to teach his son. He was trying to teach his son that there's nothing on that shelf that's going to satisfy you. Because you're always going to want more. But there is a Lord who is your shepherd, who will satisfy you in the deepest part of your life. 
Don't you want to come to the place where you can say, what I have in God is greater than what I don't have in life? So verse 2 and 3, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. So you know the imagery in this psalm is a shepherd and sheep. Guess which one we are? Yes, we're the sheep. That's not a compliment so much, by the way. <laughs> you, you, you've never seen a football team. You know, you've seen tigers and lions and eagles and, you know, bears. And you've never seen the, you know, phenomenally fierce and intimidating sheep. <laughs> Can you imagine? All, all, the little, all the little cheerleaders would be dressed in cotton balls. You know what I mean? And they're out there. We are the sheep, you know. You don't have the sheep, right? You know you ever go to the circus, you know, and you see bi uh, grizzly bears riding bicycles? You've never seen, you know, the amazing jumping sheep, you know? <laughs> They're not an impressive animal, right? So you, you got that. Well, here's what happens. The shepherd takes the sheep out to pasture so they can eat. But in this verse, the sheep isn't eating in the pasture. The sheep is lying down. You see that? He makes me lie down. Why? Why? Because there's more going on here than just eating. When the sheep are done eating, they lay down. And this shows that there's a rest and a satisfaction and a deep fullness that comes from walking with God. He leads me beside quiet waters. See, if sheep don't find a good water source, they're notorious uh, to drink from puddles and ditches and just water wherever they can get it. And they're very likely to pick up a disease and a parasite and die. And this is what Jesus was telling the woman at the well when he said, if you drink from the water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. Right? You drink from this water, you'll have to keep coming back to the well. And that's what image we have here in Psalm 23. Jesus is saying, listen, I'll, read, I'll lead you to the right water. I'll lead you beside quiet waters. And then he says, he refreshes my soul. The Hebrew word there for refresh is a, is a wonderful term. Uh, I actually texted it to one of our uh, ladies' uh, leaders last night uh, for the refresh event because I thought it was so uncanny. It's the same word. The Hebrew word there for refresh means bring back to life. He restores my soul. He brings my soul back to life as I walk with him. That's the image you have here. Uh, years and years ago, I, I don't remember what year it was, but you might remember there were, there were budget conflict in, in uh, Washington, and you go, yes, that's every year. Yeah, that's every year. But it was so bad this year, they shut the government down, and um, they closed all the national parks. Maybe you remember that. I don't remember what year. It was a long time ago. And it was really cold one winter in December. We happened to be in Gatlinburg. And we wanted to go to Cades Cove. How many of you like Cades Cove? And Cades Cove, beautiful, yeah. If you've never been, it, it, you should go once in your life. We were at Cades Cove, and we got there, and we forgot the government was shut down. And we went, you know, not now. And there's the big bar across the thing. And you know it's like an 11-mile drive. And we're there, and we went, I don't see any video cameras. You know, probably couldn't hurt much. I mean, what's out there? You know, wild bear and, you know, everything else. We'll just walk. So our whole family is walking in Cates Cove over the little hurdle thing, you know. We hurdle that. We leave our car. We're walking out there, just walking in fields. And I don't even know why. I, I have no, no reason other than the goodness of God. I was walking through grass about knee deep, and I'd kind of fallen behind the group a little bit. And I heard a gurgling. And I pulled over, and I saw this incredible mountain stream in one of the valleys of Cades Cove, surrounded by the mountain range. 
and it had, uh, the rocks were snow-capped in the river. And as I pulled up, I saw that, and there was the wild winter grass, and the, and the creek was flowing. And as, I, and as I stood there, I don't know why it happened, but the truth became so real to me from Psalm 23 that he makes me lie down in green pasture, he leads me beside quiet water, and he restores my soul. And I just began to weep. I just stood there and became overwhelmed with the presence of God. And, and I remember saying to God, Oh, this, this right here that I'm looking at, that's what you're doing in here. Oh, that's what you're doing in here. You're refreshing my soul. You're restoring my soul. As you and I walk with God, as we pray, there comes a refreshing and a restoration into our soul. So the second half of verse 3 says, He guides me along the right paths for His namesake. Uh, you, you probably wouldn't know this. I, I wouldn't have known it without researching it. Sheep are given to overgrazing. What that means is, is they'll stand in one place and they'll eat, and then they'll go to the bathroom and then they'll eat again, and they'll go to the bathroom and they'll eat again. You see what happens. It makes a muddy mess. And here again, they do that in the same place for so long, they're likely to pick up a parasite and die. And if a shepherd lets his sheep overgraze, get a parasite, get sick and die, that shepherd loses his reputation. He had a reputation for being a good shepherd, but since he let his sheep stay in the same spot too long and overgraze, that shepherd now has a bad reputation. So here's what happens. For God's glory and for his own reputation, he leads you into right paths for his namesake. So he takes you on to better and better places. It's not when you're grazing in the field that you grow. It's not when you're lying down in the green pasture that you grow. God knows we all have a tendency to overgraze and just get stuck in the same spot. And we get stuck in the routine. And we have an amount of our life that we give to God. And we go, that's my God part. That's the spiritual part. And then I'll handle everything else. And that's it. We tend to get stuck and overgraze in our spiritual journey. So here's my question to you this morning. When's the last time God led you to give more of your life or more of yourself to him? When's the last time? If you can't remember, you might be overgrazing. You might be stuck in your spiritual journey in the same place, stalled out. When we follow him on the right paths, we grow. At Kingwood, we call it next step. What is your next step with God? Because everybody's got a next step, and God will continue to lead you to take your next step because that's how you grow. It's not when you graze that you grow. Everybody needs to stop and graze. Everybody needs to lie down. Everybody needs to be refreshed. Everybody needs to be brought back to life. But that's not growth. Growth is when you take that step. Verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley... I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Darkest valley in Hebrew is one word. It means deep darkness. And it has to do with anxiety. It might be the day your employer said, clean out your desk. It might be the day the doctor said, your baby will never be normal. It may be when, when you're, you look under your son's bed and you find uh, drugs hidden under there. 
It might be when you find out your teenage daughter is pregnant or the doctor says you have cancer or your spouse says the relationship's over. These are deep, dark days. And they come in all of our life at some point. But there's an interesting grammatical shift that happens in verse 4. You you might not even catch it if you read the entire psalm from beginning to end. From verse 1 to 3, David says, he, when he talks about God, he makes me lie down, he leads me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul, he guides me for his name's sake. But watch this. When David goes through the darkest valley, what does he say? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because what? You. Do you see that shift? Everything's he. Now it's not he. Now it's you. What changed? God didn't change. David's surroundings changed. He went from the sunny light of day to the deepest, darkest valley. It's always he till things get dark. We just talk about God. We don't talk to him. But when it comes to the deep valley, it goes from he to, oh God, where are you? right? It moves from he to you. In the darkness, you stop talking about God and you start talking to him. When the darkness presses in, I don't need he, I need you. Why does it turn from he to you in darkness? Here's why. Because you'll never be totally sure that God is with you until you walk with him in the darkness. People who've met God in the darkness are different than people who haven't. Until God's the only answer you have left, you'll never be totally sure that he's with you. King David said, I will fear no evil, not because he, because you are with me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. I, I, I started to say I could do a whole series. I have done a whole series on this concept of the table. The table such a powerful image through Scripture. We have the communion table where Christ invites us into fellowship with himself. We have the table of reconciliation where Jesus has reconciled with people over a meal and has called us to be reconcilers with the world. There's a custom among shepherds. And here's what the custom was, and this is the image David was drawing off of. When you came and sat for a meal at a shepherd's table, you were that shepherd's responsibility. In other words, if I'm a shepherd and you're a stranger coming through, it's my responsibility to feed you. And when you sit at my table, anything that happens to you is my fault. And so what what David is saying is that God prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And he says, whatever happens to you is my fault. I take responsibility for you because you are at my table. And by the way, you don't have to wait until all the clouds go away and it's not dark anymore and there are no enemies and everything's going fine. I like that God makes a table for you in the presence of your enemies. While things aren't going good. And then he anoints my head with oil. That's an that's a image that says God heals and he covers. And he covers you with anointing to keep the flies off and all of that. And then my cup overflows. Let me give you some scriptural pictures here. You ready? The Bible says that God offers us abundant life. 
He gives us joy unspeakable, peace that passes understanding. When Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves, he didn't just make enough fish and loaves for the people who were eating. There were 12 baskets left over. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. When God starts to pour into your cup, he doesn't just fill it up to the brim. He doesn't just give you a sip. He fills it up, and then once it gets full, he just keeps pouring. My cup overflows. Verse 6, the last verse. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So as I follow Jesus... Goodness and love will flow into me, but it'll also flow out of me. So this image kind of trips us up. It's a little confusing because, because you say goodness and mercy will, will follow me. So is goodness, is goodness and love following me or am I following them? Here's the best way I know to say it. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. I am a follower who is being followed by the one I'm following. You got that? I am a follower who's being followed by the one I'm following. What does that mean? God surrounds you. When you walk with him, his goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. And then he ends here. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I I know we've blitzed through a, a rich psalm pretty quick. But I just want to remind you of the imagery. Listen to this. We've talked about pastures and waters and refreshing and paths and dark valleys and fears and rods and staffs and tables and enemies, anointing, oil, cups. Man, it sounds a lot like life, doesn't it? A lot of ups and downs, a lot of mountains and valleys, a lot of good times and bad times. But without the last phrase, this psalm would be worthless. What is the last phrase? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is that? That's eternity. If you destroy my belief in the resurrection and the hope of heaven, what does it matter that I made it through today? Because tomorrow is likely to take me out. If you take my belief in the resurrection and the hope of heaven away, what does it matter that I made it through? Whatever you're going through today or whatever you're going to go through, you have hope if you follow Jesus because you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Life might be bad today, but it's temporary. And it will one day be replaced by something that is permanent. And that's what David says in Psalm 23. He ends this journey in paths and rivers and valleys and all of this stuff and enemies with I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever and ever and ever. You've you've heard of Murphy's Law? Yes. Murphy's Law is whatever can go wrong will go wrong. I got good news for you today. God has an answer for that. Heaven is God's answer to Murphy's Law. Because one day, everything's going to go right, and it'll never go wrong again. It'll never, ever go wrong again. And that's what Psalm 23 means. So this morning, here's what I want to invite you to do. I've just given you a 
thumbnail of the song. I want to ask you to pray with me. Everybody, I want to ask you to pray with me. Because here's why. When you pray, you practice the truth that God is always with you. And when you pray, you meet the truth. You meet, Jesus isn't a concept. He's a person, and He's alive, and He's here. And prayer is the way that you connect with Him. So, look, this might be totally familiar to many of you. It might be completely foreign to you. Like, I don't even know what we're going to do. I don't even know what this means. And I'm just going to walk you through it. And here's all I'm asking you to do. Just engage God in prayer. I think it's better. You don't have to be loud. You don't have to do any of that. I think it's better if you pray out loud. Why, why do we do that? Have you ever go to a birthday party and say, let's all wish Carl happy birthday in our heart? Right? That never, that never does it, do you? Guys, you go to your, your, your you know, wedding anniversary meal with your wife, and she says, you haven't said anything. I'm, I'm loving you in my heart. Well, that's not going to get it, is it? Expression's important, isn't it? Somehow it's important. It's important for the hearer. It's important for the expressor. So would you just stand with me? And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you, um, we have six verses, and we're just going to pray these together, and then we're going to end with a song, okay? We're going to sing a, a whole song together, and we're going to worship together before we go. When I was preparing for this series, I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me, help the church meet me in prayer. And so this is, this is what we're doing today. Would you just read the psalm with me uh, when I read it? We'll start at verse 1. And, and we've got a, um, I've got a suggested prayer up there, but I'll just pray and you pray with me when I pray, okay? If you want to read that out, you can read it out, however you want to do it. Let's read uh, Psalm 23, verse 1 together. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. All right, now would you just begin to pray and let's just thank God. Lord, we thank you today for being an all-powerful and an all-personal God. I thank you for being my personal Savior. God, I thank you. If you're a believer today, would you just thank him? God, I thank you that you saved me, that you changed me, that you've washed me. God, that you found me when I was lost and empty and blind, and you made me a new person. And I thank you today that in you, I have everything that I need. You have provided for me. And Lord, I thank you for that today. I'm grateful for that today. The Lord is my shepherd. Lord, I have everything I need in you. And I thank you for that. You are my provision and protector. Now let's go to verse 2 and 3. Would you read it with me together? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. So now let's ask the Lord for help today. Lord, help me to find rest and satisfaction in you. God, I pray today as we're together in this moment and, and when we leave this place and life presses in, God, I pray you'd remind me that there is a refreshing and there is a satisfaction that comes from you and I can access that, that refreshing through prayer. So Lord, I ask you today, refresh 
God, for the one who came in weary, for the one who came in tired, for the one who came in overwhelmed, refresh today and restore today and renew today. Bring back to life. Let your living water flow through this room. God, let your living water, would you just pray that for yourself? Lord, let your living water flow through my life. Flow through my life today. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Would you just pray that? Lord, help me to hear you calling me. That's an important prayer. God is calling you to your next step. He is calling you to growth. Would you just ask him, Lord, help me to hear. What do I need to do? Is it to forgive someone? Is it to serve? Is it to reach out? Is it to offer a word of kindness or encouragement? Is it to meet with you? Is it to read the Bible? Lord, help me to hear you calling me. Help me to hear you calling me to my next step and give me the courage. God, give me the courage to move on in you. I don't want to overgraze. I don't want to get stuck. But God, I want to move to a new place in you. Show me today. Show me today. We'll read verse 4 together. Are you ready? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So here's what I want you to do. Here, I've got a, a prayer there. Today I give you the pain, fear, and disappointment in my life. Would you do that? If you have pain in your life, fear in your life, disappointment in your life, would you just begin to give it to God? There are those in this room in a dark valley. Lord, today we give you pain. God, today we give you disappointment. Holy Spirit, today we give you fear. We surrender it to you. It's okay if you just begin to call those fears by name. Lord, I I fear sickness. Lord, I fear aloneness. Lord, I fear the future. Lord, I fear, God, I give you my fears today. I'm in a dark valley today, and I give you my fear. God, I give you my disappointment. I thought life would be different. I give you my disappointment today. Lord, I need you. God, I need you. Show me today that you're with me. Show me today you're with me. Guide me. Come on, ask the Holy Spirit. Guide me now. Guide me. Use your word and the presence of your spirit to guide me and comfort me. Lord, just guide today. For the one who came in tired and weary, comfort. Lord, the one who came in hurt, let them feel you as the brother that sticks, uh, a, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Or feel today and heal, comfort, strengthen, renew. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. There's a few prayers I've given you there. Lord, help me to hear your voice calling me to communion. Lord, to fellowship with you. God, help me. Come on and pray it. Lord, help me. God, I need to be reminded I'm busy and I move fast and I feel pressure. God, I pray today you'd remind me to hear your call, to hear your invitation. God, stir up a hunger in our heart this morning. Stir up a longing in our heart today. Lord, help me to hear you call me to reconcile relationships that are strained and wounded. Somebody this morning is being called to forgive. 
Man, if that's you, I just want you to say, pray that out to him. Lord, I hear you. Somebody, as we begin to pray that, you're in your heart, you said, God's calling me to forgive. I know it. I know it. I know it. Would you, just, would you just ask him to give you the strength to do it? God, we pray for the strength to forgive. We pray for the strength to move through the awkwardness of relationships around us that are strained. Lord, anoint me today that I might be healed. Come on, if you need healing today, just raise your hands up and say, Lord, anoint me today that I might be healed. Lord, heal my wounds inside and outside. God, heal my scars. Heal the things in my life that are broken and wounded, the dysfunctions, the mental inability, the emotional wound, the physical wound. God, heal today. Heal my soul. Come on and just ask Him. God, heal my soul. Thank you, God, today for abundant life. Thank you for abundant life. All right, verse 6, the last verse. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you just thank God this morning that He's the God of love and goodness? Lord, we thank You today that You're the God of love and goodness. Come on, it's powerful when You do it. It's powerful when You say it. Lord, I thank You today that You've been good to me. I thank You today that You've given me love. I thank you today that of all the people on the earth, you looked down and you loved me. And I thank you for it. Help me to follow you so that your love and goodness would flow not just in my life, but out of my life. Lord, I want to be a person of goodness and love and make me that today. Now let's thank him for a minute for that eternal life. God, we thank you today for eternal life. I'm looking forward to heaven. God, I thank you today for eternal life, that I'm forgiven forever. God, I thank you today that I'll live with you in a city that'll need no sun because Jesus himself will be the sunlight of that city. And from every tribe and every tongue and every nation on the earth, people are going to gather together and worship you. And I thank you, God. I thank you today for eternity. Now, would you just ask the Holy Spirit, it's so easy to see in this moment and so hard to see in the grind of life. Holy Spirit, give me that perspective. Help me to see life from your perspective. Fill me with great expectations about heaven today. God, we thank you today for eternity. Aren't you grateful today for eternity? Don't you thank God today that heaven's coming and this isn't all there is? And no matter how bad the political season gets or the economy gets or disease gets or sickness gets or frustration gets, there's a heaven that's coming. And it's right and it's perfect. Come on and thank God today that there's a heaven coming. Lord, I thank you today for heaven. I thank you today for heaven.